listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Your question uh, that so many of you sent in, you asked this question, what's God's will? Many of you phrased it differently. Uh, Maybe you said, what's God's will for my life? Many of you said, how do I hear from God? A lot of you ask this question, hey, how do do I know where God is leading me? Like, how, how do I know where to go and what to do? Essentially, what is God's will for my life? And I think this is a great question because most people today, they just want to do things their way. They want to do things like they want to do it. In fact, every single one of us, me included, I have a will for my life. I've got things that I want to do. I want to accomplish things that I want to get done. Every single one of us, we all got those things that, hey, I have a plan for my life. I know what I want to do. But so many of us, even Christians, by the way, we live with this idea of, you know what? I don't really care about God's will. I just want him to bless my will. That's really like, I don't care what God is doing in my life. Most of us, if God would just bless what I want to do, that would be perfect, you know? And I I feel the same way, but what we're going to see today is that's not the way to live. And I just wanted to start this message by just saying, I'm really proud of each and every one of you who submitted a question like this. I'm glad that you asked this question because I really can't think of a better way to live your life than to be someone who is just surrendered to the will of God. Like if you would just surrender your life to God's will, I think you could live your best life. In fact, let's look at it in James chapter 4 verse 13. Here's what uh, James says. He says, now listen, you who say, oh, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city. We're going to go to that city. We're going to spend a year here. We're going to spend a a year there. We're going to carry business on. We're going to make some more money. Essentially what the writer of this scripture, he starts off by saying, in other words, like I have stuff that I want to do. I've got my own plans. I plan to live a year over here. I plan to make some money over here. I I have my own plans. He's trying to show us that, hey, we all have our own plans. But look at how the scripture continues. And look at what the Bible says about people who have all these great plans. The Bible says, well, hey, why, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Can I tell you one thing? One, one small thing for a lot of people can just totally change the direction of their week, their day, whatever. One thing, and that's, what, that's really what they're talking about. That's what the writer of this scripture is talking about. Don't make too many plans because honestly, you don't even know what's going to happen by tomorrow. In fact, he just says this simple question, what is your life? Really, it puts it in perspective. For so many of us, maybe you thought, uh, you're, you're like, man, I, I, really, I really thought uh, I thought I was going to marry this person, or I thought I was going to go to this school, or I thought I would have this job. I, it may, maybe for you, your big question is just like, where are we going after, after church for lunch? You know, <laughs> Maybe that's what you're thinking about today. Uh, whatever your questions are, all of us have questions. All of us have these things. We all have plans. We all have these things that we want. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. It kind of puts it in perspective for us by saying your life is just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In perspective, really, the Bible wants to show us that the temporary questions that we ask, uh, uh, whether, it, whether it is the question where we're going to lunch after church, or whether it's who, who are we going to marry, or what are we going to do with our life, or what job are we going to have, the Bible is trying to show us that those temporary questions are not the best questions to ask. Instead, we need to be focused on something more eternal where we're going, what, what's going to happen to us. And so look at how, look at how it says the writer kind of finishes this, uh, this scripture out and says, instead, you ought to say, you know what? If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In fact, I knew somebody that used to always go around and say, you know what? If his response to almost every question was always, 
well, if the Lord's, if the Lord's will, <laughs> you know, like if the, if the Lord will do it, if the, if the Lord provides, if the Lord will do it, really, he was just submitted to the Lord's will. And I want you to be submitted to the Lord's will. In other words, I want you to be able to align your life with God's will. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But before I show you, let me give you one more scripture. First John chapter two, verse 17, it says the world and its desires pass away. Everything that you're worried about and concerned about right now in this world, it's all going to be gone before long. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And that's what I want for you. And that's, that's my hope for each and every one of us is that we would live forever. And so you say, well, Pastor Noah, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know what God's will is. And I'm so glad that you asked that question. And I'm so glad that you're a part of that. And so we want to jump right into this message. uh, And I just want to thank you for asking that question. I want to help you with this today really practically. In fact, I know many of you today are probably in a decision dilemma. I like to call it a decision dilemma where so many of us, we have all these decisions that we're making. In fact, no matter how old or young you are, you're probably making a ton of different decisions. Maybe uh, for you as a, as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, you were just asking, you were making decisions whether you knew it or not about, hey, what sport am I going to play? What how, Am I going to do my homework or not, you know, all those great decisions. You're you're making decisions, but then when you grow up a little bit, you get into high school, you're asking questions like, man, which college do I go to? Do I go to that college or this college? And then it feels like once you get into college, it's like, what what major am I going to, what am I going to major in? What am I going to do with my life? What kind of job am I going to get? Even uh, even once you get out of college, maybe for you, it's as you're uh, you're a young adult, you're asking questions like, man, who do I marry? Or what what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And maybe you got married and now you're asking the question, do I have kids now or do I have kids later? You know, like, and and then you have kids and then you're like, am I going to, how many kids am I going to have? You know, you've got decision after decision. And maybe for you, you've got some surprise kids. I don't know what it is, but you're like, you got, you got, got decision after decision. Why, why, what am I going to do with my life? Maybe you're just, your big question is, do I get a dog or a cat? You know the answer to that question. It's not a cat. It is a dog. <laughs> oh man, we, we all got we all got these great big decisions, and and, and we we we, we what, what do we do? What do we do when we have to make decisions? Because as we go through life, no matter how old or young you are, maybe you're maybe you're just in this room asking like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, maybe that's you. What, how, no matter how young or old you are, every single one of us, we go through life asking questions, and many of them being tough questions, and asking God, what, what, what is God's will for me? What does God want me to do? How in the world do I know? How do I know God's will for my life? Well, John chapter 10 says this. It says, his, uh, it, 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 I, I put it in my notes. I don't have it on the screen for you this morning. John 10 says, his sheep know his voice. And they respond to it, and they say no to the voice of the stranger, the enemy. You need to understand that in order for you, in order for you to make wise decisions, you've got to know God's voice. In fact, so many of you, you ask that question. You ask the question, how do I know God's voice? I, I hope to help you today, because when you know the voice of God, you know how to respond. And when, and when you know the voice of God, you also know the voice of the enemy, and you know how not to respond as well. So you say, well, Pastor Noah, how do I get tuned to that? Like, how do I tune my ears to the voice of God. Well, there's a lot of bad methods out there, everybody. I'm not going to lie. In fact, if you just do a little Google, like, how do I hear the voice of God? You're probably not going to find too many good methods uh, because there's a a lot of really bad methods out there. In fact, I'm going to bring two methods that you've probably tried before uh, and probably didn't work out so well. In fact, one of of the things that we do, I think, often is we we do this thing called the fleece method. In the Old Testament, there's this, they would put out a fleece and uh, there's too much to get into, but essentially, what we do in today's age is that we say, well, God, we, essentially we bargain with God. We say, well, God, if it's raining today, then I'm going to do this. 
Or God, if, 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 this, if this is like this, then it must be true. Like, and so many of us, that's how we live our life. We make, we're like, God, if, if, if I wake up at 7 a.m. this morning, I'm going to do the dishes, you know? <laughs> and we just, we, we put out a fleece or whatever, and we say, you know, God, if this happens, then, then it must be God. It's a lot like the guy who, uh, I got this story about this guy who was pulling up to Krispy Kreme, coming up to get some donuts. This guy said, he basically, he prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, if it be thy will for me to get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, he said, there's going to be a parking spot right in front of the store. And he said, after the fourth time around, the <laughs> fourth time around the block, there it was, everybody. And <laughs> How many of you know that was from God? You know, no, no, it wasn't. I, I, absolutely. But a lot of us, we make deals with God like that. We say, well, God, if this happens, then that, this is what I'm going to do. And so that's how, so many, that's how some of us, we think that we've got to hear from God like that. But that's not a very good method. In fact, we don't see that, that fleece method in the New Testament a whole lot. We see it a little bit, but not a lot. Um, but we primarily see that in the Old Testament. The New Testament, we've got the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But there's the fleece method. But then not only, maybe you've tried that method before. Some of us, we've tried uh, the good old, like we get our Bible out and we skim through the Bible and it's the point and flip. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just open it up and that's the scripture for me today. Like, like God, if God's going to speak to me through this one. In fact, there was a one guy who did this. Uh, he, he opened his Bible up to Mark chapter 14, verse 52. It said, he said, the Lord's going to speak to me today. And here's what he said. He fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And he's like, oh, surely that's not what the Lord is telling me. And uh, so, so he, he, he did the whole flipping point again. And here is what he came up with. Luke 10, 37. Now go and do the same. <laughs> How many of you know that was not a good way to hear from God? That's not the <laughs> the point and flip. It's probably not the best way uh, to hear from God. And so many of us, I bring these up because so many of us, uh, we've done these things before. I've done the point and flip before. Like, God, speak to me through your word. Boom. And uh, oftentimes it just doesn't work like that. And so I just want to help you with a better method today. In fact, I think one of the better questions that gets, gets asked about this will of God, like what is God's will for my life, is this idea. Somebody asked this question um, on, the, on the forum online. They said, is the will of God kind of broad or do I just, do I just get close to it or is the will of God narrow and specific? Like, how do I know God's will? Is it, is, it, is it broad or is it narrow and specific? In fact, I asked that question growing up. I was, honestly, I wondered a lot of things about life, of course, during, uh, growing up. And, uh, and at one point, I was just wondering, like, does God just have one specific person for me? You ever, you ever think about that before? Like, like, if I marry the wrong person, does it just send, like, this chain reaction of, like, bad things? Or, like, is God not going to bless me because I didn't marry the right person? And I had all these questions, and you've got these questions, too. And so the best way I know how to explain this to you is to really give you this message in two different parts. I want to give you this message in two different halves. Um, and the first part is very uh, theological to where you need to understand, first, God. God's will. And then secondly, the, the second part is going to be super practical for you because once you really understand the will of God, his will, you can begin to understand your will. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the theological part, God's will first, and then I'm going to give you six questions at the end to ask, uh, to, to put your uh, to put your questions through. Really, uh, it's kind of a filter of maybe you're asking the question, do I need to move here or there? Or, or what does God want me to do this or that? You can put your question through, I think, these six questions that can really help you understand what God's will for your life is. And so first part, just going to warn you, it's kind of deep and theological. The second part, I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, everybody. Everybody can have one. And so you, you all will get this. So let me get through this uh, the theological part first, because you really need to understand God's will. In fact, for me to explain God's will for you to you, I think one of the best ways to do it is to explain it to you like maybe like a picture frame. Or even think about like a soccer goal. 
Um, I, I think the best way to explain it to you um, maybe is to use the golf analogy. In fact, I got, a, I got a picture of a beautiful fairway behind. Maybe you all are dreaming that you're out on the course today, but you're here with me. I don't know what it is, but I got this picture, and this picture is actually here to help you because I think uh, this is a great analogy for you to understand the will of God. You see, in golf, the whole goal of golf, of course, is to hit it into the tiny little hole at the end of the course, right? How many, you've probably never hit a hole in one in your life, and if you have, congratulations, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, but, but most of us, we just, we got to hit it until we get it to that little bitty hole. But so the goal of, the, of golf is to really just hit it closer and closer to the hole, and where you want to hit it is in something called the fairway. The fairway is the short grass in the middle that you see, the, the, the light green grass that you see right there. That's, we try to hit it in the fairway because that's the easiest place to hit it again, because the grass is short, you can hit the ball, it's very easy. Now on the outside of the fairway, you kind of see that darker green grass, it's kind of a little bit taller. That, uh, uh, that is called the rough. And for, for a lot of people, uh, when you hit it in the rough, uh, that's where they let the grass grow up kind of high. It's very difficult to hit it in the rough. And so in some cases, when you hit it so far out in the rough, you just kind of got to clunk it right back into the fairway so that you can get another good shot. And so that's, uh, that's, that's a good analogy there. And then there's other things on the course called hazards. You see these two big sand traps here. Hazards can be the sand traps. It can be the water. Uh, maybe it's rocks, whatever it is. Um, but it, it's, just something, uh, it, it's just something that's in the way. And here's the deal. If you miss the zone, if you miss the fairway, golf gets a lot more difficult. You want to keep it right there in the middle. I tell you all of that today to say that God's will, theologically speaking, is very similar. God's will is super similar. There's this zone that I need to get you in so that you, so I need to get you in the zone so your game, the game of life for you, is easier. So if I can just get you in that zone, it'll help answer some of your questions. Because I know that so many of you, you've asked questions, you're facing your own questions on should I take this job or not? Should I move here or there? Should I marry him or her, whatever it is, I, 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 I need to know what I need to do. Well, the first step, before you ask any specific questions, before you ask God, should I get a dozen Krispy Kremes or not, is for you to just get into the God's will zone, for you to first be right with God, because be, and you, you can't make good decisions if you aren't first right with God in the right zone. And so I need to get you there first so your game is easier. So the first step is to get into the zone. I like to call it the God's will zone. And the best way I know how to describe it is it's framed, uh, it's framed on each side. In fact, I'm going to give you two things that it's framed with uh, and then give you some ideas. This will, you'll understand this in just a minute. But the first one, in fact, if you're taking notes on the worship guide on your seat, you can flip over, you can take some notes if you'd like. Um, but here's the first fill in the blank is the sovereign will of God. When we talk about God's will, there's something just called, theologically, it's just called the sovereign will of God. To make it a little bit easier for you to understand, essentially what it's talking about is what, is, what, what God is doing on the earth. The sovereign will of God is what God is practically doing on the earth. You need to understand that God is already up to something. God's already moving. He's already, uh, he's already doing something on the earth. And do I, you might, you might ask, well, do I know, uh, how do I know what it is? You need to ask that question. How do I know what it is? And am I cooperating already with what God is doing on the earth? In fact, let me say it to you this way. God has a will and we all want God's will for our life. But God's will will never be, uh, God's will for our lives will never be outside of His will. God's will for our lives will never be outside of what He's already doing. And so a good way for you to understand that is just that, that whatever you're doing in your life, it needs to match with what God is already doing on the earth. In fact, one of the easiest ways to understand God's will for my life is to understand His will. When I first begin to understand God's will, then I can begin to understand his will for my life. In fact, if you remember, Jesus actually taught us to pray in this way. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to pray, he said, he essentially, Jesus said, before you ask, give us this day your daily bread, it says, 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So before, you, before you're ever asking for anything for yourself, you're saying, you know what, first, I'm going to submit my will to God's will before I even ask anything for me. Essentially, maybe your prayer should be something like, Lord, you know what, I want to align my life with what you're already doing on earth before I even ask for anything specifically. And so we need to align our life with what God is already doing. His sovereign will is what theologians call it. And you need to get, get back, you need to get to that sovereign will of God or you need to align yourself with what God is already doing. We're going to get back to that in just a second where I'm going to help you practically with that because I know that's kind of deep. It might be a lot for you. But on the other side, of the fairway, if this is a frame or if, or, or if we're talking about the rough here or whatever, however you want to picture it, on the other side is something called the moral will of God. And practically, the moral will of God is what God has already said in his word. There's things that God has already told us what to do. God has already gave us a basic outline on how to live in his word, through, through his word. In other words, let me just say it like this. God is already very vocal on some topics <laughs> that, are, that, that, that we struggle with in our world. And so you say, well, you know what? You, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that what he's doing, and, and you, you need to find out what he's doing and what his word says and align your will with those two things. Because can I tell you this? God is never going to put you in a place or, or, or have a will that is contradictory to his word. He's never going to tell you to do something outside of what his word already says. It, 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 it's plain. You should always do, if you're asking questions, what is God's will for my life? You should always do and honor what his word has already said. And so we have to align ourselves with that moral will of God. As a good, I, I think I brought a good example for you today. Um, the Word of God, it says in 1 first, in first Thessalonians, it says this. It says, it is God's will that you abstain from sexual immorality and that you would be holy. And so when people ask, well, well is, it, is it okay for me? I've, I've been dating this person for such a long time. It's okay for uh, me to do sexual things. And... That's not what God's word says. A good, a good idea is that God's word has already said no, that you need to abstain from that so that you can be holy. In fact, uh, so anytime, anytime we get out of the, the fairway into the rough, it's not so important to just be asking the questions about the donuts or whatever. It's more important that instead of just thinking about the more specific things in life, we need to just get back to that fairway and ask these questions. Am I in the moral will of God? Am I, am I, honor, am I doing what God is already doing in my life? Am, am I working with what God is already doing on this earth? And am I honoring what God has already said? Because he's already given me an outline in his word on where I should go and what I should do. And so what my goal is, is just to get you in that zone. I want to get you right with God first. Before you ask him the very specific things for your life, you need to be in that zone where you are in line with what God is doing so that your shot to the hole is much easier, everybody. And so here's the last one too, which is the question that you asked. So if, you, if you've aligned yourself with what God is already doing on earth, and you have aligned yourself with what his word says, then a lot of you are asking this, the personal will of God. What's, what does God have specifically for me? That's the question you've asked. You've essentially asked, God, how do I know what to do with my, with, with my life? And here's the personal will of God. It's just The personal will of God is just what God desires for my life. Which, by the way, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. No matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, the, the worst and, and ugliest things that you've done, the Bible talks about how God can use it for his good. And so some of us, so many of us, we disqualify ourselves because we're like, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Listen, God can use it for good. And in fact, one, Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for you are written in God's book before they ever came to be. Meaning that he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he has a desire. He has, God has desires for your life.
So here's the key statement to end this. this I'm sorry that this was really deep this morning, um, uh, but I hope that you understand this. This puts it all together, and then we're going to get very practical, I promise. It's this. It's these three things. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I can discern the personal will of God. So that's what I just, essentially, I just want you, before you can get so specific about God, should I do this or that, you need to be in line with what God is already doing. I need to get you into this fairway so that, so that you can make an easier shot towards the hole there. That's the theology. I need to get you into that God's will zone. And then I, I just want to give you two questions uh, before we get into these six really quick. Two questions I, I, I would encourage you as we get out of this portion to ask yourself. Uh, in, in fact, so if, if God has a moral will, would you just ask yourself this question? What am I doing that I should not be doing? You want some clarity in life? You want to know what God is doing in your life? Would you just ask this question? I would encourage you to ask this question regularly. I ask this question every day. I try to ask this question every day in my morning prayer time. God, what am I doing that I should not be doing? And I promise you, if you would just give God permission to search your heart, he'll show you things. He'll show you some different things in your life. He'll point them out. He'll, he'll kind of poke you in. It seems like every morning... If I ask this question, if I say, God, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? God will just poke something out. He'll just, hey, it's right there. You shouldn't be doing that. He'll show me. In fact, that's why when I preach, I, I don't preach a bunch of do's and don'ts. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. That's, I, that's not my job. My job is to lead you to the Holy Spirit, which can do that in your life. The Holy Spirit that will point out and say, it's subtly... When you pray that prayer, it'll suddenly say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. It'll poke some things out in your life. And would you just ask that question? Not only asking this question, but I'd encourage you to ask the opposite of this question. What am I not doing that I should be doing? Because all of us have these things that, it, it, that, that we're not doing that God has called us to do. Because if God is doing something on this earth... Shouldn't I be cooperating with that? Like, if God is working through something on this earth, I should be cooperating with that. Since my will and God's will should never be different, they should coincide. I should be working with Him on this earth. Which is why, by the way, it seems like there's, there's a lot of messages why I love to thank our real team uh, members, uh, everybody who volunteers here at the church. They do such an awesome job. Here's what I know about all of them is that every single, every single person who volunteers, whether it's in the tech booth or whether it's in the cafe or outside, whether they're just a door greeter, they all are busy with their own things. Like, they all have other things to do, everybody. It's not like they're just bored and they just... They're just that, that's not the case at all. They're busy with their own lives. They have things that they want to accomplish. Essentially, they have their own will. They have their own things that they want to do. But they've said, you know what? I'm not just going to do what I want to do. Instead, I'm going to submit my will to God's will, and I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. And so every week, they get up early. They stay late. They work throughout, the, some, some of them even work throughout the week uh, in our church. And I promise you, they, because they do this, because they've aligned their will with God's will, I promise you, go ask any team member and ask them about how much more clarity has come to them since they've been volunteering. Ask them how much closer they are to God since they got involved somewhere. Ask them how much, how much more they feel and hear from God just because whether it's making coffee or whether it's working in the tech booth, whatever it is, they, they, I promise you they'll tell you that they hear from God more, that they have more clarity because they have a purpose and they've aligned themselves with what God is already doing in their life. or What, what God is already doing here on this earth. And I would encourage every single one of you you call Real Church home to be a part of the team. Be, get on the team. I know a bunch of you, maybe you're here today, you're just checking things out and you're just kicking the tires a little bit. Hey, rest and enjoy. And that, that's fantastic. But can I just tell you, if you've been here for a little while and you're still in the stands and you're not playing the game, come on, get out on the court, everybody. <laughs> Join a team uh, and, and, get, and be a part of that. You can do that today. 
Fill out a connection card. Just let them know what you're interested in. We'd love to get you on a team because you want to know what you want to know God's will for your life. God's will for your life is to be involved in something that he's already involved in. And I tell you, he's involved in our church. And I would love for you to be a part of that. If you would just get involved with something that God is doing, I think you would be surprised with the clarity and the vision that it brings to your life. All right, done with the theology. You all want the simple stuff. Cookies on the bottom shelf. Six different questions. Before we get to the six questions, um, I I told you you need to get your life back into the zone. Uh, Let me give you a scripture really quick. 1 John 4 verse 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't go around believing everything. In fact, the translated word, in fact, an alternate word that I can use here is don't believe every impression that you get. Because can I tell you, the world, the world is going to give you an impression. The world is going to give you some things that look really fun to do and look like it has a big reward. Don't trust all of those things. Instead, the Bible says, don't trust everything. Instead, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test, them, test to see if they're from God. The good news is, is that you can do that. Because the Bible is very, very vocal on this subject, on the will of God. And there are tests to put your decision-making through. And whether it's, maybe your question today is, what school do I go to? Maybe your question today is, what school do I send my kids to? (laughs) It might be, should we move to that town? Or should we do this or that? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Whatever stage of life you're in, we've all got these big questions. And you just ask, how in the world do I know? How do I know? Well, I'm going to give you six. I think they're foolproof questions that if you would, if, if you would put that, if you would put your biggest question through these six questions, I think you'll find some clarity in your life. Now, disclaimer to these six questions. You got to hear me here. These six questions all work together. You don't just pick one. And maybe pick another one that says yes and yes. No, all six of these questions work together. You're going to see this in just a second. Here's the first. These go really quick. Am I in the right relationship with God? We've talked a lot about that. First of all, that's the first thing you need to do. Before you make any huge decisions in your life, you're asking God, God, what do I do here? What do I do there? First, make sure you're in the right relationship with God. Am I in the rough or am I in the fairway? You need to be in the fairway, everybody. You need, to be, you need to be in the right relationship with God. I would start there. That before you make any decisions, you just decide, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to do it just because of I'm hurt. I'm not going to do it be, just to retaliate. No, I'm going to see how close to God I can get. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, give me something practically. Give me something. How, how, can, I, how can I get in the right relationship with God. Well, I think one of the greatest ways to get close to God is through prayer and fasting. I think prayer and fasting, one of the greatest things. We, we do it two times a year as a church. And I, I can just tell you that it's, it's one of the times... It's one of the times of the year where I hear from God, the, I hear from God so clearly during that time. I only wish fasting was sustainable. I tell you, I'd lose a lot of weight if, if we fasted all the time. But I'm just telling you, if you have a big decision, you're, you're asking some big questions like I've talked about today, would you pray and fast and just ask God? I'm telling you, when you, when you fast, you are literally closing the world out. You're turning the world's noise off so that you can hear from God more clearly. So do that. Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know, you, 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 you first, you want to know what to do with that big question that you have. First, ask yourself, am I in the right relationship with God? Second, ask yourself this. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Essentially, am I considering something outside of the will of God? I was a youth pastor for a little bit. Learned a lot of things being a youth pastor, everybody. You learn lots of different things. Lots of interesting questions on Wednesday nights. Uh, One interesting question that I got was, Hey, Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah. This, which, by the way, I set this up. This is like a 12-year-old girl, right? She, she comes up to me and says, Hey, 
I am in love with this person. I, I, I think I've found my soulmate. You know, that, that's just... First of all, everybody, at 12 years old, you don't know your soul. You don't have a soulmate at 12 years old. But uh, anyway, she just so excited, got this, got this boyfriend and was asking me, hey, Pastor Noah, what, what do you think about him? What do, what do you think? What do you think about this guy? She goes on to tell me he's, he's, he's nice looking and all this different stuff. And he plays, he plays this sport and that sport. And they're just, he's, she's just so madly in love. And she said, there's only one thing, and this is why I wanted to ask you this question. He's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. And it, he's like, but she's like, but I know he's not a Christian, but I know I can get him saved. <laughs> You've been there before. Like, like I, I know, I, I know I can convince him otherwise. How many of you know that he'll say whatever he needs to say, you know, to do what he wants to do? And so, uh, and I knew that, hey, that's not the case. That's not the case. In fact, we call, in church, we call that missionary dating. You know, just you're, you're, you're dating. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And so this, this girl was telling me all this, and, uh, and, and I said, well, I, I don't know if it's such a great idea. In fact, I literally asked, does, does it align with what the Bible says? Well, 2 Corinthians tells us this. It says, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? So essentially, I just said, you know what? Because of God's word, I'd slow down a little bit. Slow down on the romantic side of things and maybe wait and see if he finds Jesus first. Like that's the first, first of all, that's, that's, that's what he needs. But because she was so convinced that she was so in love with this guy, that's, she just totally ignored what the Bible says. And I know that might be a silly story for you or whatever, but I'm telling you it's the truth. And we all, that's why I'm saying all of these questions matter when it comes to a big decision in your life. Most of us, we don't like that advice, but the Bible says in Luke chapter 21, it says, heaven and earth will pass away. The things, your worries right now, they're going to be gone in a short amount of time. But God says, my words will never pass away. That all those thoughts that you have today, all those worries that you have, they're going to be gone sometime. But God's word is going to stand through the end of time. And can I just go, encourage you, go to God's word. Read his word. See what he says about it. And can I just put this out there too? Like, don't change God's word for your situation. I know a lot of people, and honestly, sadly, even churches, even right now, that are quite literally changing God's word to fit the culture. And I'm telling you, it's a scary thing. It, and, and people say, well, well, times are different. Well, times are so much different. But can I tell you, the word of God never passes away. The word of God, it lives forever. And let me just tell you at our church, we're not following culture. That's not what we're doing. We're following God's word, everybody, because his word is the only thing that has lasted through, through this time. And it's going to last through the rest of time, everybody. His word is the only thing that has never changed. Culture is going to change and it is changing all around us. But God's word never changes. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Don't change God's word. Number three, man, what, 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 what am I supposed to, am I supposed to take that job or not? Am I supposed to do this or that? Am I supposed to, what, whatever it is, ask this question, what would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets, the WWJD bracelets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of us, we remember those bracelets. What, what was the point of those bracelets? Well, the, the point of wearing those was just a, a constant reminder to do what Jesus would do, right? To, to act in the spirit of Jesus, essentially, like to, to use the personality of Jesus to respond in whatever situation. So if you got mad, you look at the bracelet, you remember, man, I don't think Jesus would say this, you know? So you, 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 would, you would correct yourself there. And honestly, I, I, I do the same thing, do the same thing with God's will. I just ask myself, you know what? If I did this, if I made this big change in my life, does it carry the spirit of Jesus? What, 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 would Jesus be doing this very thing? Look at what James chapter 3 says. It says, but if you, harbor bitter, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. It says, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, 
It's unspiritual and it's of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the Bible says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure which is what, what he said. He, he essentially put, would you just put your question through this idea of, hey, is, is what I'm about to do pure? Is what I'm about to do peacemaking? Or it, I'm sorry, is, is, is what I'm about to do peace, loving, considerate? Is what I'm about to do submissive? Is it full of mercy and good fruit? Is it impartial and, and sincere? Would you put your question through that verse and see, does it carry the spirit of Jesus. Here's the last, or, or here's number four here. Have I sought godly counsel? Very important. Have I found someone who loves God? And have I just asked them, what do they think? What do they think about this? And I would just encourage you. I, I, listen, I have people watching over my life. I, that I, I go to them and I seek counsel. I, 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 I've, got, I've got people that surround me that whenever, when I make a decision, by the way, I, I, don't, I don't just go to one person, but I try to go to multiple people. I try to, I, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think if, if I did this? What, what, what do you think? And I, I'm just telling you, you need the same thing. That's why we always harp, that's why we always, it, it's so important for you to get into a small group. Like, you, so many of us, we... We, we, we make all these decisions on our own, and if, if somebody else could have just looked in at the situation, if somebody could have had some fresh eyes on, on the situation, they would have seen that maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. You need to get into a small group. You need some godly people that can just look in and say, hey, here's what I think about this. You just need to ask them, you know what, hey, I'm going through this right now. What, what do you think? Just get someone to give you some advice. Because listen, the Bible says this. The Bible says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. And I want, I want the victory, everybody. And so I've got some advisors around me. Before we make big decisions in the church, before I make big decisions in my life, I call. Say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think about this? What do you think if we did this? I'm telling you, it, 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 it can't hurt you. It'll, it'll help you. Um, and remember, 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 don't do any of these questions by themselves. Because I have, just, just because somebody tells you it's the right idea and it doesn't follow the word of God doesn't mean it makes it the right thing to do. So remember, put all these questions together. Uh, put it all together to see if that's really God's will for your life. Number five, it's this, is do I sense God's peace? And the big decision that I'm making, do I sense God's peace? And you say, well, why is this one on here, Pastor Noah? Why is this here? Well, because of, I, really, all throughout the Old and New Testament, we see that God doesn't really speak all that often in a storm. God doesn't really speak in the chaos of life. In fact, the Bible tells us that he speaks in a still, small voice, in a time of peace. So I just encourage you, never step out of God's peace. Which, by the way, uh, if you're married, your spouse is probably a good indicator of that peace. I think Emily is a great indicator for me of that peace. And for whatever reason, I just, I just think... I, I just think women are just a little bit more, I, I, I don't know, they, they have this quality, especially for me. I think Emily just has this quality so much more than me. I think uh, Emily can be a really great indicator of this. I never try to push something past Emily when Emily doesn't have peace. In fact, there's often, <laughs> there have been some situations where Emily has said, hey, I, I just don't feel right about this. And I did them anyway, and I found out later that she was right, everybody. And so I just, I just encourage you, don't, don't do something outside of peace. For whatever reason, I think women are just a little bit more discerning. My sister is my personal assistant, everybody. <laughs> and I love her, and I love her for that. There's many reasons why she's my personal assistant. But one reason is, is that when, when, she, when she says, you know what, Noah, this doesn't feel right. Or this situation feels a little bit unhealthy. Or I don't know if we should be doing that. I listen. I listen for that peace. Because if we don't have peace about it, 
It's, it, 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 it's hard to move forward. And there's some wisdom there. And you need to, I'd encourage you to listen to your spouse, whoever it is for you. Um, but look, look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, for God is not the author of confusion. but He is the author of peace, everybody. He is the author of peace. And let me just say this. Um, someone, someone once was, was telling me about a situation that I knew immediately was totally outside of the will of God. They were telling me about this thing that they wanted to do and that it was just this, it, it's just this great thing, but I knew immediately that it was just totally contradictory to God's word. And they said, well, I've got peace in my heart about this. I feel good about this decision. But I knew it was directly against God's word, directly contradictory. And so I tell you that because you can't, you don't just take this question and say, oh, I've got peace about this situation and I'm going to move across the country now because I got peace about it. Listen, there, some, sometimes you might, you might feel good about it in your heart sometimes, but that's not a peace that comes from God when it directly contradicts God's word or whatever it is for you. Peace is a wonderful thing, but you've got to have all the other questions, everybody. You've got to have all the other questions as well. In fact, here's the last one. I want to show it to you. Um, and I, I hope you understand. In fact, let me just say it this way. If you only gave me three minutes to preach, this is the three minutes that I would have preached on. Here, here it is. You need to understand. Just ask this question. Is it my will or is it God's will? Is it my will or is it his will? And I think one of the most healthy practices a believer can do it's just to start their day by just saying that. What if you would wake up tomorrow morning and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to have some questions. Lord, I'm going to have some desires today. Lord, I'm going to have some temptations that come my way. I'm going to have some opportunities. But my prayer today is not what I want. It's what you want. Not my will but your will. And can I just tell you that Jesus so beautifully modeled this for us? I mean, we see right, right, before, right before Jesus went to the cross, you know the story. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he would go to the cross, before, before he would experience the worst pain ever, the Bible says that Jesus was literally so stressed out that he was sweating drops of blood. Before Jesus would get tortured, mangled, spat upon, before Jesus would give his life for you, he was under this great pressure where he said, essentially, he was praying to God saying, Lord, I don't, I don't know about this. Look, look, at what, look at what Jesus says right before he would pay the price for your sins. He says, my father, if it is possible, can you take this away from me? Jesus fully God, but also fully human, says, I don't know if I want to do this. He says, I, God, if it's possible for, for, me to, for me to do this any other way, can you just take this from me? Can you take this cup from me? But look at what he says. He doesn't just end the prayer by that. He says, yet, God, not as I will, but as you will. Some, some translations say, not my will, but your will be done. All I can tell you is I do, my, I do my best as your pastor to be a godly person, but I've got some unholy desires just like every single one of you. I've got some areas where I'm selfish that I just wish, I wish people would serve me sometimes. And the only thing that I've ever found is to start my day, and maybe for you it's symbolically, but to start my day on my knees by just saying, God, I know this is going to happen today. I know I'm going to go through this. I know I'm going to have this temptation. I know I'm going to want to do this. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Not me today, but I want your will to be done. And can I just tell you, church, I'm convinced that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people out there who call themselves Christians who really don't care about the will of God. They just want God, they want God to bless their will. And we've got to, or, or, or not only that, or they do it conditionally. They say, God, I want what you want, but can you do this for me? 
That's not how God works. I'm just going to give you a piece of advice because honestly, you, you asked for it. You submitted this good question. You can't live that way and you, you can't live that way and know the will of God. The only way to truly know the will of God is to live a life that is fully surrendered to him. Where you say, God, not my will, not what I want today, but would your will be done in my life? Would you close your eyes, bow your heads? Father, today we submit our will to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are good to us. We thank you that you have our best interest in mind. So God, help us to let go of the desires of our hearts. God, help us to surrender everything that we have to you. Lord, help us to know our will. Help us to know your will and help us to submit our will to your will. Lord, we love you. We thank you that scripture so beautifully models this for us. And today, Lord, right now, we surrender everything that we have to you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, you need to understand that God has something for you. When you surrender your life to him, when you surrender your will to his will, can I promise you that there's peace on the other side? So many of us, we've been living trying to do our thing. We've been trying to run our own lives. I'm telling you today, you can leave here with peace by just surrendering that agenda to him. And saying, God, not me, but you. Can I just tell you that we're not so good at organizing our own lives? God's so much better. He's so much better at it. And one of the most beautiful things that you can do today is to put your life into his hands and fully surrender your will to his. If that's you this morning... You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my heart to him. We never end a service without giving you that opportunity. If that's you in this room, we're not going to invite you to come forward or do anything like that. We're all going to pray a prayer together that just symbolically says, God, I give my life to you. I surrender it to you. If that's you in this room and you've never done that before, or maybe you're doing it again to recommit your life to Jesus, you want to leave today fresh and and, and have a new beginning. If that's you in this room, on the count of three, would you just lift your hand up? Again, we're not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. Just lift your hand up. Let me know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Are you ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. Would you lift your hands all over this place? Thank you. Thank you. See you back there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, because we all believe in this prayer. Let's all say this together. Repeat this after me. Say it out loud. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. I surrender it all to you. Thank you for saving me. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer today? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info. 